outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. Brady Trantham here with Keegan Renault. As always, and as always, on Thursdays for the Inside OU Podcast, we're here at Vanessa House on 10th and Broadway in Oklahoma City. And the sun just came out right when I hit record, so this must be a good show. It's going to be a good show. has Th- to be a this good This weather sucked. Why didn't we have Tuesday's weather on St. Patrick's Day? Like, I know you hate St. Patrick's Day, but I was very much looking forward to going to a few patios. So do you know why St. Patty's Day is the thing I've actually asked and did research on this um pat saint patrick was the patron saint of the country of ireland i think something about snakes got the snakes the legend is is that he got the snakes out of ireland which can be an allegory or he literally did so although it's temperate zone i don't know if snakes are that uh, native to the isle i'll i'll lean on you for the history i don't know that i mean that's just the rumor what do i know Loch Ness monster is real too right that's in Scotland. Oh, okay. Sorry. I believe. I, I could get my... my. I don't even know. I, do, do, who cares about Europe? Keegan, it's spring ball. Oh. We're here. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're somewhat there. We forgot. What? I forgot. Well, we forgot. We did have some major development out of Norman today. Very major. I mean, there was a lot of, lot, lot of measurements talk, a lot of weight talk. There was... Brady, we're not in a quarterback competition right now. There was no no talk of it today. No talk of it today. There we go. Yes, but just like I told you before we went on, what's everybody looking forward to when they go pay money to go see, see the spring that game? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Does not matter. Right, what's Caleb Williams look no, like? No, no quarterback competition. <laughs> That's all that matters. You know what? That's all that, I care about. If that bothered, if that bothers you, then you're letting it bother you because you. We knew. We all knew Kyler Murray was the starting quarterback. We all knew Jalen Hurts was going to be the start, starting quarterback. Was going to be starting quarterback. And then we all still thought that year that he should have been benched at Waco and Spencer Rattler should have came in because OU it was uh, not going to win that game. Hey, there was a quarterback competition, though, in 2020, Brady, where three weeks of it was going on without the other quarterback. Those mental reps on the Zooms. Well, I mean, we talked. Tanner must have had a huge lead there. We've talked about for like what four months how basically Spencer Rattler just needs to make the mental jump in order to be what we think he can Correct. be. Correct, I agree. But with now that. all we're talking about is he gained five pounds. Hey, easy, easy. Well, well, yeah, I don't want to talk about everybody's weight fluctuation. I mean, it's been tough. Times have been tough. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes it's you, you go to the comfort food. Look, I woke up this morning. I've had a rough few days uh, for no particular reason but i had a rough few days and this morning i woke up and i had five chocolate chip cookies for breakfast i haven't had did you i haven't had cookies in months listen i don't know what's it's just this weather uh, i had two pb and j's for breakfast i'm a pb and j for breakfast guy and then had some pork chops for lunch Mm. and then had some spaghetti before I came, I, I good today. I usually don't eat. I'm actually having pork chops. Probably, probably not tonight because the Thunder are playing the Hawks. And then as soon as we're done here, I got to run over to the station to do a another post game show. So, so just like Tuesday, where <laughs> we started recording the Through the Keyhole Pod, which you can find on our Patreon page, um, during halftime of the Thunder and the Bulls, 
and we got a good hour into it as the game was literally like winding down the seconds till it, it was going to end, and then I had to run into the other studio to do the post game show. So we just abruptly ended that podcast, but we actually got a lot of good feedback on it. So I was shocked. I know because I just remember walking out of that recording and just thinking. Well, it got good, but then we just, oh, got to go. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we got out of there good, though. I was shocked at how smooth it Yeah, we, we, we teased future content, which yes. is always the uh, uh, the fun thing. But uh, before we get into more uh, weight fluctuation talk for 19 to 20 to 21-year-olds, uh, wanted to remind everybody that Vanessa House is awesome. Uh, the beers flow like wine. It's beautiful in here. And they're actually bringing back one of their more fun events that they do every week. And they actually do it every Thursday. At 7 o'clock, they do uh, Bingo Bango Songo, which is just they play random songs. Singo, right? Singo. Right? Isn't that like... There you go, yeah. Don't, I, doesn't Ocons do it down in Norman? Ocons has been dead to me since they moved. You know, I heard a, I'm I heard a rumor there was a line outside of Ocons yesterday. There were lines outside of... I mean, I drove by... Because I was actually here yesterday just to have a beer... Because, like, like I said, like the weather kind of ruined all the St. Patrick's Day plans, but I kind of found myself sitting around the apartment having nothing to do and was like, well, I mean, St. Patty's Day, I need to go have a beer mm-hmm. somewhere. So I came in here and had an Exo Cooler green beer uh, slush. It was really good. Had a beer or two. And then uh, on the way home, I drove by that new patio outdoor place that's right next to Fassler. No clue. And... Now, again, it's, like, dark outside, so it's, like, well past 8, 30, 9 o'clock at this point, and it's misty outside, it's cold, and the wind is blowing like a bitch. and yet there is still a line of people wrapped around the corner of the building. It's, like, you know, and, like, everyone's in their, in their club clothes, mm-hmm. going out clothes, so we've got some, got some schmediums, schmedium shirts with some, with some affliction jeans, and then we had ladies in some very uh, nice, uh, ma- made them look good, you know, you, you know what we're talking about here, uh, tight dresses. So it's like, I hope it's worth it. Hopefully it's fun in there. <laughs> I mean, again, it, we, we actually kind of jokingly talked about this before we came on, but we're about, I was joking with Zach, right? That's the name, guy who's back behind the bar right now? Oh, yeah, Zach. Pink hat. We were talking about this. It feels like we're about a month away month and a half from being out of this thing here in this great state because of all the good things or yeah one fourth medic- of the one or f- medical professionals are doing right now yeah apparently one fourth of the state population of Oklahoma is now vaccinated yeah good and for I'll us. be fully vaccinated by I mean I think my second shot is April 2nd which means like essentially the spring game will be like the first big event with a crowd that I will go to that I will feel absolutely no fear. And not, not to say that I'm living in fear, but, you know, when I go out, I do understand I'm taking the risk of, well, Vigilant. I, I could catch something and get somebody that I know sick or someone that I don't even know sick. And that I don't want to do that. So I'm look, very much looking forward to the spring game. But, yeah, once again, Venice House, Thursday nights, come out, come say hi to us, and then you can go play a game. Eighth Listen to some broad- good music. Broadway. Yes. There we go. Yes. On your way to Bricktown, stop by. To Vanessa's, or on your way to Midtown or Uptown. I live in Uptown, so uh, come check out Uptown every once in a while as well. Is this Midtown? Uh, this is the edge of Midtown, yes. Okay. Yeah, Midtown's like, yeah, we're pretty much all in Midtown. Okay. Bricktown, of course, is down yonder. Um, and I guess on a 
There's a dad joke there somewhere. I just couldn't get my tongue on it. Um, Are any of us dads on this podcast? So zero dads on this pod. Zero. And on a personal note, I will mention um, I'm bartending next Thursday, so I will not be on the pod. So maybe uh, Ryan Chapman will fill in once again like he typically does when this happens. But uh, uh, come say hi to Keegan and whoever the (laughs) special co-host is that night. And... I'm also going to be here bartending, so I might just kind of walk in and grab the mic and just scream something. Who knows? Who knows what if we will do? That's what I was telling you before we came on. If Ryan, I don't know if there's any other recruiting events going on, but I think he told me he was down in Arlington last weekend. Yeah, he's going to. For the uh, Under Armour camp. We'd have a little bit to talk about. Yeah, he's going to be putting in the mileage very quickly just because. He's doing the post-game show with me tonight after the Thunder and the Hawks, and then tomorrow he's driving up to Indianapolis for Oklahoma, Missouri. They're, they're sending him up to uh, Indy. Yes. That's kind of cool. Yeah, he's looking forward to it, so hopefully he drives safe and comes Is back Is the media kind of like the uh, teams? Do they get sent home right away? Say I, Oklahoma loses, or is Oklahoma, I, is the media kicked out of the bubble? Yeah, I mean, don't you? I th- Dylan Buckingham does this a lot whenever OU goes to the playoff. Because you you get you apply for right, your credential for right. like the playoff game and then the national title game, and then Dylan will always send the screenshot of oh, your national title credential I've got had denied. That happened to me one time, and it was like the okay. Peach Bowl, right? Yep. Yeah, after the Peach Bowl. Kind of, um, kind of remember, kind of don't. So I'll be here next Thursday, but not on the podcast. But you can come say hi, and I'll I'll pour your beer. You can uh, you can just tell me tell me what to do, and I'll do it for you. Um, another personal thing, um, we said it on the Tuesday pod. Had a few people reach out. Very thankful for that. Uh, but I'm hosting a OU basketball watch party at Pony Boy in Oklahoma City. It's a bar um, right next to Tower. They're actually affiliated with each other. Uh, same people run it. Great people. They're allowing me to have a uh, basketball watch party um, for OU Missouri on Saturday around 645, I believe, is when tip-off is scheduled to start. So if you're interested in coming out, meeting me, meeting some friends, watching an OU game with some OU fans, uh, DM me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports, and we can trade off some informations. Uh, it's free to get in with the invite, of course, uh, but I would just highly no encur- cover charge. No cover charge. I would just highly encourage you. Um, that wasn't very smart marketing of us. I'm kidding. Oh, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I would, I would just. Joke. I would highly encourage you to uh, bring some money. Just because, like, it's partly to have some fun for me, and it's part and partly to, if anybody wants to come that listens to these podcasts that we do, you know, partly so I can tell you all thank you to your face for listening to us this long, uh, this consistently. But also, I want to try to help out Pony Boy. It's my favorite bar in Oklahoma City, and they've just recently opened up. They've added food to their menu along with their awesome drinks. Um, you know, they've had to deal with. You know, the, the same stuff we've had to deal with, but they are a small local business, them and Tower. I want them to be as successful as possible. So this is just my way of trying to help them out. So more people that come, better. More people that come and spend some money, you know, on food and drinks while they're watching OU either get getting creamed <laughs> without Davion Armin or surprising me and winning. Surprising uh, a lot of people and winning. Uh, the better. So there's that. And the last thing that I have noted on the intro, Keegan, we no longer have to talk about Buki Radley-Hiles unless he goes to Washington and plays cornerback. <laughs> so he's not going to play corner. Ah. Oh. But 
he's going to play a position to where he is not playing the run game nearly as much as he was. So he's like playing nickel and covering slot receivers and tight ends, but he's not having to go bash his head against a six foot six tackle that's pulling across. I think that's amazing. I think that's a big difference in position. But what what Best is the luck to him? What is the Pac twelve philosophically? Like we knew what the Big Twelve philosophically was like three or four years ago. It's it's not that anymore now. National people that run national podcasts still think that the Big Twelve is a flag football off offensive league. It's not really that much anymore. I don't really know what the Pac twelve is. And right. a lot of it I'll admit is just because I don't care about it. Here's the thing. You have how much high school football in the state of Oklahoma have you watched? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a kid or a p- any family member. Okay, playing, so this so this none. may not some the people that listen to this, some most of you will understand what I'm saying. It's like the Pac-12 is like watching private schools opposed to watching public schools play. Like they do all the technical sound things a lot better, and they can play more unique defenses and offenses, but they may not be as physically gifted nor may they may not have the athletic talent that the other schools have. Yet, or, yet Oregon still gets, like, top five, top ten recruiting Now, Oregon's a little bit different. Oregon-USC is a little bit different. But they the got rest of the Nike conference, money. well, yes, for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure USC's got some uh, USC's got Inglewood. Yeah, they got whatever money they want. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, best of luck to them. I, I, again, I think it's there is at least one thing that should be celebrated – he got his degree in three and a half years for anybody that's impressive to That him. is very impressive. So, there you go. There's my take. Fare thee well, Buki, Radley, Hiles. So, all right, Keegan, let's jump right into all the uh, weight fluctuation <laughs> of the uh, children to young adults. But I'll admit, like, I, I don't want to disparage it too much because you put out the spring uh, post observations earlier this morning, and I was actually looking through it myself. Then I saw your post. We were pretty much on the same wavelength just because, I mean, the weight changes, the positive ones. And, again, these these players are they're human beings, so I don't know what they prefer. Sure. I, I don't know what the coaches prefer. I don't know if this weight is good. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know, like, from where are we basing this off from? Uh, because one of our patrons had a good little observation of, is this weight, like – For instance, Trajan Bridges puts on seven pounds, according to the spring roster. From when? Like from last spring or from last fall when nothing was really normal or official? Like, what are we talking about? So whenever I go and do these, it's the most recent rosters we have. Mm -hmm. So, like, (laughs) this this is how geeky I am about this stuff. I've been going and checking the roster, but I went and saved it about three weeks ago, and I've been checking every day. It comes out this morning or late last night, whenever it was. And so it's whatever the most recent one I have. So, like, Jalen Redman was in the media guide. So that's the most recent one we have because he got removed from the roster. Yep. Stacey Wilkins, same thing. Kenny Brooks was not on the media guide, which makes sense. But at the end of the day, so this is from the most recent weight that we have in height. Um, you get to obviously the first listed. I noted some of them uh, of the newcomers, but I think like more than anything, like especially these, 
Like, there's going to be more extreme ones. So, like, last year, everybody was like, man, the offensive line needs to drop weight, right? Like, that was another big thing last offseason. Yeah. They did, but then they come back, and I know COVID. That's where the cold COVID thing comes in. But then mm. they come back, and they were at the same playing weight they were at a year ago. Now, these guys are going to get a full summer. So, we should get it. So, like, again, the, this is just an extreme example here. Like, Chris Murray drops 18 pounds. He probably lost a lot of bad weight he had on. Now, do you want to see him at 279 playing next fall? No. You want to see him up 290, 295, because at that point you start playing bigger, bulkier guys, no matter how good you are, there's just an overwhelming advantage. So yeah. that's what I said. I, you know, I put it at the top of our thing, like, this, these are notable stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we should be noting, you know, like, credit to Theo Weiss for the work that he's put in in the last – three months uh credit to all these guys that have put in obviously put it in the work joshua eaton put on nine pounds i noted jamal morris as a guy that is interesting the one i didn't note on here um and i know we're going to get into yours first but the one i did note that i do want to touch on is noah renze i mean i think he played in like the moments he came in i he might have been hurt or may not have played as much kind of the whole um what was the guy who played? Didn't play much his first year because he was hurt, came around. It wasn't Joseph Wete, was it? No, <laughs> God, no. God, no. Um, he's one of those that we'll mention that's just – I, I didn't confused. put him on my notes. Yeah, I'm, confu- <laughs> I'm, con- I'm confused about what's going on there. Uh, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, you're you're looking at, uh, you know, situations to where these guys, you know, are put. it's very apparent that they're putting in the work they need to put in. Like – it, but then, then there's some of them, like Shane Witter, where you're like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> like, why is this happening? So, um, Brady, the floor the floor is yours. I want to hear what what intrigues you and why some of these intrigue you more than others. Well, the let, let's start in the running back room because everybody's already kind of like really noticed the receiving room. Hello, uh, Eric Gray. Welcome uh, to Oklahoma. Eric Gray. Mikey Henderson has entered the H-back room. Running back. Or running back room, yes. excuse me. I'm still old school thinking a halfback. Oh, for sure. So there I go. Uh, but Seth McGowan dropping six pounds. Is it as simple as, hey, maybe he won't get caught from behind this time? Well, we – how do I say this? This is the tough part, right, because we are aware of some things and whatever. But, like, I think him losing weight's a good thing because Seth McGowan's a guy that, you know, you want to see him have that home run threat. Yeah. And I don't think, like, the him getting caught from behind in the, in the cotton bowl – I don't think it has anything to do with him needing to lose weight or not. But did it look like at times, like even the Iowa State game, some of those explosive runs that he had or even in the Missouri State game, like maybe there might have been a tractor attached to it while he was running. Like he's running yeah. so up and down or whatever it may be. Like if he shows up at, you know, back at 210 next fall, like that's healthy. Like that's something that you want to see a guy go through. Okay, I'm going to drop six pounds, but if I put – six good pounds on them after that, then you're feeling you're doing pretty good for yourself. I'm really curious and we're never going to know this, but I'm really curious if Seth McGowan is a true freshman coming into this year, if this is just where he starts off from, but because of what happened last year, he had that disadvantage yeah. and then played with that disadvantage and then tried to clean up things in the season as of, as opposed to like in fall camp sure. or, you know, like he, he was learning as he went along and still showcased like 
you know, he gave a lot of OU fans, like, a lot of reason to be, like, hey, Seth McGowan could be a guy. Like, he, he's not just a holdover from, we didn't get Jace McClellan, so here's this random other guy. No, he's very much a guy who could potentially be your number one running back, depending on how the, the room shakes out over the next few years. So, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't want to spend that much time on him, but, like, what do you think of what do you think of him, like, running-wise? Like, is he a power back? Is he a speed guy? Because the weight loss would suggest he's trying to he's trying to address the, the elephant in the room in that he doesn't have that breakaway speed. Right. I, I think when you look at Seth McGowan, like, what you want him to be at the his ceiling at Oklahoma, right? You want a guy we saw the run against Kansas State where he was patient, set up his blocks, and then jump cut to the right and made a huge run. I think it got called back on a hold. Um, on, Was it uh, Tyrese uh, Robinson? I, it's that run. <laughs> uh, but I believe so. But he has those kinds of runs. He has the plays like against Iowa State where it's like, holy cow, Like he, his, his ability to make guys miss in the backfield, his jump cuts are really good. Um, so you, what you want to see him end up being is it, this is – the easy way out here is do what Ronnie Anderson did to where you're a threat to catch passes out of the backfield because you're strong and physical and you can go up and make those kinds of catches as well as you can run and not get arm tackled, not, you know, be able to carry guys for two to three extra more yards and also be able to make guys miss, be able to run, be physical. I think it's kind of, you want him to be able to show a good blend of everything. He's not a guy like Joe Mixon or, or like even you know can go to a lesser back than that like I where he's really good at one thing yeah. right like he needs to be really really good at a bunch of things and if he can kind of you know I, you've heard me say this more recently about some because I'm talking recruiting but like for Seth McGowan the parts right now are greater than the sum and you want that to even out and once that starts even out we'll notice it because like if he's the running back the third running back for Oklahoma this year tough sledding but i mean, I that mean must that's mean a good that, thing that must mean that the running back the running game is very much like a strength of the offense sure. and not just a well we got to do it well just, to what you said a second ago we got another guy in there which is fairly interesting i, I don't know what to think about allegedly this. i don't know what to think about this because i just like the idea of what mikey henderson was last year right. where he could, he's just a swiss army knife yeah i'm with you and he, the fact that he drops 11 pounds shows that like, like okay, this, this is a thing. Does this make him shiftier? Does this make him quicker? Like, I mean, makes him, I more more, more explosive. Like as a as a runner, I guess more explosive. Is he going to be wearing one of the schmediums around the uh, <laughs> around that patio bar? Oh, if, he I talked a, about? if he wears a schmedium and he breaks off a thirty yard run, you're going to be thankful. Well, because like when you're talking about Mikey Henderson's speed, like he, he's he's very talented for the position that he played last year. I just don't know what he is as a full-time running back. But, again, this this could fluctuate. Like, this is spring. This is not This fall. also could be a thing to where they're trying to find a pathway. We've talked about this with Mikey Henderson. Yeah. Where get a pathway to get him on the field. Because H-back room is just so loaded right now to where these young guys that are coming in are going to have a hard time. So, yeah, I, I think with Mikey, it the weight loss is apparent that this is the path they want him to take which is that confirms that. But at the same time, like, what's to say if he's in the running back room that he can't be a guy that go lines up on the line of scrimmage? But here's the thing, though. Like, if, if Mikey Anderson's lining up on the line of scrimmage, what, what's the defense going to be doing? 
Three, three. Yeah. Watch what he's doing. Check him. Again, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, ideally, where do you? What room do you want him in? I think you want him to be what Jeremiah Hall is, but he he can't. Bl- he doesn't block that. I well didn't even yet. put Jeremiah Hall on here, but he also lost weight, which I would assume is a good thing, considering how good his hands are, how well he runs routes, how dependable he is, and if he if you just improve that by just being a little bit quicker, mm-hmm. you know, ideally, if you're losing weight, that's what happens. Then that should be better for the passing game. No, I'm for sure. Yeah, the Henderson thing was confusing. Uh, but, I mean, again, if this is a pathway to get him on the field more and get more reps and more snaps, then why not? I mean, you only have him for four years more than likely, and this is year two. If he's going to sit behind Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis in the H-back room, why not, right? Like, I don't I don't see it be that, that it's that big of a deal. But down the line, like if you're looking towards 2022 and Jeremiah Hall's gone and Braden Willis is gone and Austin Stogner's gone and Mikey Henderson's not like lined up, flexed out as well as in the backfield, that's when we go, okay, what the hell's going on? So it'll be interesting. I I don't think that this means much, but it's something definitely, just like I said, like more than anything, these are definitely just more notes, like middle notes, stuff that we definitely need to make sure that you know, whenever the fall comes around, that these line up with where you want them to be. Well, I guess after that, it's the receivers. and Juicy. I mean, friend, somewhat friend of the pod, Theo Weiss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> adding 13 hey, pounds. We, like I said, we were his motivation for the last three months. I, well, I I'm am, kidding. I am not that important. I'm, I'm joking. I, I don't know about that. Uh, but, yeah, he. Um, I guess at this point it's it's okay to say the statute of limitations <laughs> have passed because I don't know if we've said it on I think we did. The what was once known as the freebie pod, the Inside OU podcast. But, um, yeah, Theo Weiss jumped on our Patreon page uh, to, I guess, listen to Keegan just absolutely – uh, disparage his character. Stop it. Disparage Stop his, it. Just disparage everything about the. No, th- n- no. And that thankfully, n- like I, re- I went and re-listened to it. <laughs> I, I, I kept forgetting to bring this up, but I didn't say anything about Theo East except I just reacted to you saying like you think he's going to be the guy that's knocked out of the rotation. Like I was just so shocked that you, like Theo East, just fell off the face of the earth in your mind. Oh, at and the then time. I respond- But my response back was no, I didn't think that. What I was saying is is that I had heard a bunch of really good things on Theo Howard. Rest in peace, Theo Howard. Transfer portal. <laughs> um, there was a bunch of really positive things coming out about him. And, like, if he was going to have need to get some snaps, we already know what the uh, – we'll get into that, the whole wide receiver room full competition thing, whatever Lincoln was insinuating today. Uh, we'll get into that later, but I mean, we we're under the under we're under the impression that it's going to be Mims, Bridges, and Hazelwood come season as the starting wide receiver. So with that knowledge, it was like, well, if that's the case, then who's the odd guy out? And the odd guy out's Theo. Well, now, I mean, it's less likely for him to not see as many snaps. I would imagine because yep. like there is now that much less snaps to be had for the wide receiver room with Theo Howard gone and Trevin West gone. So it'll be it'll be interesting. But as you were saying, all three guys put on more than five pounds, and I think that's a positive thing. I think the most important thing is Trajan. Yep, I agree. And it's just because, like, there's no doubt that the kid is extremely talented. And, I, like, last year was such a wash. Like, what people will remember last year is that drop in the 
Big 12 championship game. It was a, it was a, it would have been a tough catch for CD Lamb. Like that would have sure. if CD Lamb catches that, we're like, God dang, he's so good. Right. Um, but Trajan didn't play basically at all last year, and when he did play the year before, like there's no doubt he's talented. But I always just had the thought, like, man, he he is just too small. And I, and I said, and I only say that not in a critical way, but in a way of like I'm a, I'm just worried about like the punishment that he could take if he finds a rhythm in this offense because he's going to be a safety net at that position, and so him getting a little bit bigger, I think helps alleviate that. So that that's exciting to me. Like the Theo East thing, um, it just amazes me how Jaden Hazelwood puts on eight pounds and he's still heavier than Theo East who puts on. 12, 13 pounds, because when I think of them individually sure. without seeing them, for whatever reason, I just think of Theo Weiss as being a bigger receiver. Just Maybe it's just because of the way he plays. Like He's just more of a classic possession type guy, yeah. whereas Jaden is just, he can do everything. Theo's a little bit longer too, right? Like longer legs, longer yeah. arms. Like Jaden Hazelwood's actually pretty thick. Not two C's, but <laughs> thick. Um, I ain't going to jump n- on nah. now. <laughs> No, but at the end of the day, I, I'm, I, I, this is a positive thing, right? Like, you want to see these three guys are putting in work in the weight room, and if these three, if those three guys are your three or more of your more motivated players, the three of your best players are your your most biggest leaders. Your guys doing work in the weight room, then I think like that you can't take anything but a positive away from that. And I hate to kind of note it like this, but as well as the fact that Trajan has had his you know, issues with the suspension a year ago. So, and there was rumored for a while that there may have been some hard feelings about that, but I can tell you that everybody surrounding that situation is extremely excited that Trejan Bridges is playing football this year. I mean, I am too. I mean, what does this mean for, I guess, everybody's favorite Drake Stoops? You know, well, let's let's get it. Let's let's touch on that when we get into the wide receiver open. The one I was gonna—that's the only last thing I added—was uh, the whole <laughs> Lincoln giving the offensive line spiel from a year ago to yeah. the wide receiver. Did you note that? I know. Uh-huh. I'm, and we'll touch on that here in a sec. Um, you have Perry on Winfrey noted here. Yes, that's Brady uh, Trantham. That's awesome, dude. If that guy's playing at like two eighty-five, oh, he is gonna be murdering people. Yeah, like I don't know how you stop that. You know, you, you got to think that 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 helps alleviate the uh, the flash narrative with him. Like he flashes, but he just does. He's not consistent. Yeah, and and I definitely am with you in terms of like that. If he loses a little, he plays a little high. And I can tell you, some NFL people have noticed that and reached reach out to me on the draft level. But uh, I. <laughs> I mean, if he's at 285 running around, like with how athletic he was already, and he's playing basically 15 pounds less than he did a year ago. Yeah. I, and like, you, how do I say this? You know I haven't ever been on the Perion. Like, I think he's going to end up being an NFL guy, like no doubt, right, from the get-go whenever he committed. And, like, don't be wrong, he was a number one junior college prospect, but the whole aspect of him playing too high, well, Grinch knows that. Here's the thing that I brought all that up, and then Grinch makes me look like an idiot again. And he goes, "Okay, I'm going to put you in the only position to where all you have to do is rush downfield." So yeah. on some of their blitzes, like Perion at 285, and if he's exploding off the football, he's going to be coming on a one-man wrecking crew to a center at, at that weight. I mean, it's it's going to be uh, 
It's it's a again it's a it's a positive sign when one of your best players is putting in that work. Very positive. I mean the D line's already like I'm already excited for it. Should be. And the other like another player like let's just touch on this real quick. Let's just mention this just to bookmark it uh, because I didn't put this name on here, but Clayton Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Six four two twenty eight. Let's 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 go through those quick notes real quick. So Clayton Smith comes in at six four two twenty eight. I noted that on the Patreon, and that was uh, like I said, and I tweeted this out too. Good luck stopping that hype train. If he's at six four two forty by next f- spring, or say if Clayton Smith can get to six four two forty by the fall, Brady, how do you not get him and Benito on the field at the same time? We'll have that conversation all summer, but good God. I mean, because I mean, he can, you know, quote Kelly Gregg, he can look like Tarzan, Tarzan but play like Jane, you know, yeah. like th- as far as we know right now sure. at, at this level. But if he plays like Tarzan, mm. then Mm-mm-mm. it's just going to be one of those things where, like, with the secondary, and we might touch on this once we get to Patrick Fields, but it's just going to be one of those things where it's like, well, just get the best players on the field. Like, don't worry about position. Don't worry about, well, this is where he absolutely fits in. No, just get your best guys on the field. And I think that that's where the defense is naturally trying to progress towards. Right. Is they, they Alex Grinch got here and he had some talent and some guys that should not be playing at this level at this school. And so the that type of the, that lower end of the talent, he realized, okay, I need to find a minute position for you to get the best out of mm-hmm. you that I possibly can and so over the years once that gets phased out you find yourself in a position where I've got an embarrassment of riches Yep. and they could have that on the defensive line they could have that at the secondary and those are very good things so both Tennessee players lost an inch of height I was, I was like making sure when I was driving over here Brady to talk about that I was like make sure you say height because there could be you know, a joke. <laughs> Regardless, uh, Caleb Williams, I said this. Did, what did you take from that? Because, like, when you watch him and you see pictures, right, he looks shorter than what everybody says he is. Yeah. But Oklahoma, and they've been, again, they know a lot of people pay attention to this stuff from an NFL level. He comes in at six one two twenty, Mr. Trantham. I'm shocked by that. Like, I figured six foot two oh five two ten. But if he's 220, the running aspect of that offense with him already, that projects very well. Like, good, like if he's going to throw it like Rodgers and run it like Jalen. I mean, again, like what's everybody excited for for the spring game? Anyways. You excited to go watch <sighs> Keyshawn Lawrence maybe? Mm. No, everyone's excited to go watch Caleb Williams. Key Lawrence in at 6'1", Yeah, he dropped an inch. Dropped an inch. He was 6'2", at Tennessee. It's weird how that happens, right? Uh, shout out to uh, Red Dirt Sport. I'll, I'll quote his Patreon because uh, <laughs> plug his Patreon because it's, sure. it's very good, uh, Red Dirt Sports. Um, I think he said that it had something to do with the uh, loss of the Rocky – what was it? Rocky Top Elevation? Oh, yeah. Oh, I almost yeah. said Rocky Mountain, but it's like, <laughs> no, that's the other side of the country. So, uh, Jordan Mukes is at 6'1". Uh, he was at 6'4 on every recruiting thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you were aware of this. I've said this to you over the last two years that Isaiah Coe was not what he was listed at. So, yeah. that was no surprise that he came in at 6'1". He was listed at 6'3". This is the one, though, right? Like... We were all kind of uncertain on who Nathan Rollins Kambonga is, and this is—I don't want people to be like, "Oh, you're writing him off already." No, I'm not. 
I'm not at all. But you're listed at 6'7", 6'6", and you come in at 6'4". And not just that, you're 6'4", 247, right? Six, I think that's what he came in at? Yeah. Patience. I mean, it's, that's a three-year project, right? He, he's not very technically sound in terms of football. It's technique. Uh, doesn't have a ton of skill moves. And he's going to be doing a lot of growing over the next couple years in the weight room. So um, those things were notable to me. Here is my last one that I'm going to touch on. Sorry, two of them real quick. Marcus Stripling down the 10 pounds and has an outside linebacker tag. Not a fan of that. Like that's uh, to me. That's you've got one basically one more year to put it all together, yeah. or you've got some guys behind you that are coming in that are going to be able to do it. So that's going to be interesting. Here's the other one, and you're going to go Keegan. I know what you were saying at the beginning, and I'm going to go Brady. I get it. I know. I said I need to see him in person and be able to watch him work inside to maybe see if he could work as a defensive tackle. Yes. Ethan Downs comes in at 6'4", 250. That's 10 to 15 pounds more than he was playing at his playing weight last year. Mm-hmm. His dad has told me he can get up to 270. He's already at 250. How does his dad know that? I want you to really think about that statement. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't really want to think about it. Yes, you're right. Anyways. I don't want my dad to have that type <laughs> of opinion about me. Yeah, your son can get fat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but he comes in at six four two fifty. If there, I'm trying to find as much Ethan Downs stock out there as I can get right now, because about two years from now, when he's two sixty five and he's athletic as can can be, and there's not a guard that can stay in front of him, and he's violent with his hands like he is already. Let me tell you. So that's that's where I'm at. There's some other ones on here that we've that we've touched on um, from. I know we're about to get in the offensive line, which is not too big. 13.6 pounds of the guys that lost weight, Brady. How do you feel about that? I know you were like, I don't know much about offensive line, but well, that's from that has to be a good feeling based off how you felt the offensive line played a year ago, though, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, because the whole thing going into last year was, are they overweight as a result of not having a normal offseason conditioning program to phase into playing football in the fall? And... That all was kind of given more water just because as the season progressed, they looked substantially better, you know, from a conditioning standpoint than they had looked in the first four games. It was basically like from overtime Texas on, like they were a completely different uh, unit. And that usually happens anyway with Bill Beanbo offense, offensive lines. Like they, they are one thing in the early part of the year, then they play Texas, and then they're completely different. Like they're, they usually gel by that point in the year. So I don't know if it was that or if it had all to do with the weird offseason. But it's a great starting point, I'll say that. And, like, mainly it's just uh, offensive line individual standpoint. I don't know what each player prefers to play at, if they want to be heavier, if they want to be lighter and quicker. I don't know what their ceilings are individually at this point. When I talk about OU offensive lines, I just I talk about them – like, I only really ever think about them as a unit, and so it's, it's either good or bad. So I'm not going to learn anything in the spring. I might look at a particular – I might look at Wanya Morris sure. and go, my God. You uh, know, like, he is six, a six, – six, five, three, sixteen when yeah, he comes th- in. That is that. what an NFL player looks like. Yep. Um, so, you know, you'll have those hyperbolic observations, but I won't really have a true take on anything until game one, game two, and it's either going to be – 
they look good for this early in the year, or there's a long way to go, and they uh, Bo's going to find the right rotation at some point because that's what he always does. Two guys I've heard a lot of, and you've heard me bring them up to you outside of the pod. Um, one of them's no surprise, and Andrew Rame down to 304 from 320. Aaron Parks, though, Mr. Trantham, 322 to 301. That boy can already run at that at the weight he was at. That's going to be big time moving forward. But outside of that, let's touch on the uh, Bray Walker puts on 11 pounds. Oh, Bray Walker. That's a, that's about all I have on that too. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to get much more into that. I mean, God, God love him, but just not in the cards. Shane Witter drops 12 pounds. I've touched on this, but after a, a nice little. Second half Cotton Bowl, you know, where he just made two plays that people remember. Yes, you know, there we like, go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So that's, I, it's Which like, is better than making no plays. Sure. You know, I'm not going to sit here and crap on that. And then the plays that he wasn't making, he was at least decisive in going to do it. He yeah. just ran the wrong way, which sometimes freshmen do that. <laughs> Don't Not a huge fan of that drop. Like, I would rather Shane Witter play at 230. Well, I mean, now, what, this could be one of those things, though. If he shows up in the fall and he's 225, he has gone through a very healthy weight change, right? Yeah. And that's what you want to see. But this it, that's going to be something I'm now looking for in the fall. What do, what does Brian Odom and Alex Grinch, like what do OU linebackers want to play like? Because I, so I have an idea I have an idea of what the secondary wants to look like and, and play like. And pretty much the same thing with the defensive line. Like I've got ideas mm-hmm. where they philosophically are trying to go. I have no idea. Like if someone asked me about OU linebackers, I'm just <laughs> like, don't miss tackles in the open field. Like so, that's it. Desha- Deshaun White, when you QB spy, don't let Sam Ellinger like juke you out of your job. <laughs> so you have Kenneth Murray and David Aguebu. So two very bad examples for this question because exactly. it's like we're talking about athletic freaks here. Yeah. So but then you have Osamoa and White that have played alongside them the last two years. You have Danny Stutzman, and now you've got a guy like Kobe McKenzie. So I think for the Mike, they want just a massive guy that can, you know, take up a bunch of space in the tackle box as well as be an edge rusher. I think that's would be the ult- the ultimate guy you want is the Mike. And then have a second guy uh, that's more athletic, that can play sideline to sideline, that can fill, you know, rushing lanes as he sees fit. I think that's kind of the mold. You want a big, more, athlete, you know, big, athletic, long, physical Mike, and then more of a, an athletic kind of jitterbug at will. Like, I ex- obviously, as you know, I expect Danny Stutzman to be the will. He's, like, going to be six one and a half, six two. If he's bigger than that, then my eval is going to look really bad from the beginning. Yeah, uh, just I'm fair warning anybody with receipts on that. Go at <laughs> it. Uh, so, but let me uh, let me let me touch on one last thing here. I uh, I noted this. You have Jordan Kelly and Josh Ellison drop over ten pounds, but Corey Roberson puts on ten. That's the stuff. Whenever you put it out there and you put it on paper like that, it makes a lot more sense. You have Jalen Redmond at two eighty. You have Jordan Kelly, Josh Ellison at 280. You have Corey Roberson at 298 and Perrion Winfrey at 291. Okay. The, separate your defensive tackles from your nose tackles. Yeah. Like, like at least they're making it. But here's another thing, too. And let's, let's, let, let me finish it out with this. I know we're going to touch on Billy Bowman at DB, and we're going to fly through the rest of this pod. But uh, I appreciate from a philosophical perspective – that there are these things, right? Like, 
defensively, specifically about the defensive line. Like, they have an identity, and they know who they want these guys to be. Like, Neville Gallimore was the same athletic build for three years, right? Like, who's there's no telling what kind of weight changes he would have gone through from 310 to 290 to 295 to 305. Who who knows? But it seems like these guys have an identity. They have a purpose behind what what the, the what they want these guys to be. Yeah. And I think that is an extremely good thing moving no, forward. No, of course. It's great to have a goal. It's it's great to have something. I mean, I don't want to spend uh, – we don't need to get too much into this, but, like, one of, one of the many criticisms of a Mike Stoops defense was, sure. what exactly are you? Mm-hmm. Like – if you are like at least be something so that can fail, but don't go into don't go into a season and think well we need this and that and this and that and those all those things philosophically combat each other. Well, then nothing's going to work. So, I mean, it. I think you're exactly right. It's great to have something to work towards. So, I mean, the only other things I have left on spring roster stuff would be Patrick Fields being out for, if not all of spring, but most of it. According to Lincoln Riley, which I th- I say is bad news for Patrick Fields. Bad news for Pat Fields because it's simple. If Keyshawn, uh, if Key Lawrence, Jeremiah Cordell, who Lincoln Riley singled out today, and Justin Harrington are all legit and can either start or make you know rotational plays, then Patrick Fields is not playing that much. Well, you hate to s- you. Like from he's a, he's a very smart kid. He's very he's yeah. very not he's a very good kid. Like, but it's more of a said, like this is a football. No, but more of, more of what I'm saying is like you would have at least liked a guy that's played for three years. Like if he was going to get unseated, like it happened whenever he was at least had a dog and you know dog in the fight. But at the end of the day, we've said this now for three months. Well, sorry, maybe since the middle of last season. That if there's one position on that defense that you know you can upgrade and you have players to do it, it's been there. Yeah, and that's what that's what I was saying is like, it's tough to see that the this is one of those things that it's going to be hard for people. Like, I think it's going to be hard for Grinch and Lincoln, right? Like as the spring goes on and they're in the back of their minds, like, God, he looks really good there. God, he looks he looks really good. Yeah, he looks really really good. Shit, Pat's been our one of our best people on our team and for four years now so it's going to be it's going to be a tough that's going to be a tough conversation but here's my thing if jeremiah Cordell can play nickel and we've talked about Cordell before and kind of where his flaws are at and what he's going to have to improve upon if he can play nickel and key lawrence can play where pat fields is playing and we've discussed on this podcast if this is your first time that position doesn't need to be your best player it needs to, be, needs to be your most sound player, one of your smartest players. And if you can get a guy like that that can also run, you're in. And Brady knows I was all over why Oklahoma didn't go all in on Tommy Hill that's going to Arizona State um, from Florida last cycle because I thought he could play that position. Like he's yeah. he's 5'11". He's clearly a, a, a ball – a ball – I don't even know what the other word that's coming after Dominant? That. No, no. but Baller? He, no. Um, ball hawk, maybe I don't. Maybe that's the word for it. Anyways, a he, ball brother. No, but thank Lamelo's good. Um, shockingly good. No, I'm kidding. No, yeah. Yeah, maybe not shockingly. Low expectations. Um, but anyways, I was gonna finish up. I I think that like again, I hate to see that a guy that's kind of been through the fire at Oklahoma, to some of it to his own being, gets unseated like this. Like 
again, this is going to be one of those things. We're going to be at the end of the spring, and fall camp's going to come around, and you're going to, we're all going to be hearing Pat Fields' name as the guy that's going to be starting. But I do, th- I will say this: it does change my thinking of Pat Fields playing all year next year. If he would have been here all spring, does this expedite the process to Pat Fields being replaced by Texas? Right. Well, like I don't know if it's necessarily like being unseated game one, but all these guys are getting a good look. And if things don't go well for Pat early in the season by the Texas game, where that's going to be the first tough game for OU, what it looks to be. Not Okay, sorry. Can't They play Kansas State on the road the week before. Sorry. But if it doesn't look good by that game, Brady, right, does it – I mean, kind of have to pull the plug. Well, I brought up the topic, but, again, it's important not to write his obituary right now. Sure. I mean, he could – I mean, I brought up Jeremiah Cradell, and he's a guy that up until about midway through the season last year, we kind of labeled as softly labeled as a bust. But he got into the rotation and made some plays, but nothing that really jumped out at you. So he still has a long way to go. Justin Harrington is an absolute unknown in terms of we have no idea what he looks like with uh, OU Jersey on uh, playing on the field. And Key Lawrence, I mean, was – he looks amazing. I'm pretty, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he's pretty good. Pretty sure for me but, to yeah. for me to say that this early on is says a lot. Like yeah. I, he's if he's not starting at some point this year now, Brady, it, I'm gonna be very shocked. But go, that was, let you finish that up. Oh, I mean that's just pretty much it. Just <laughs> don't write the obit just yet. Um, all right, let's let's touch on a little bit of the Lincoln Riley thing from today. So God, it was so refreshing to hear him talk about football. Yeah, no, not as many COVID questions. Although the uh, the s- most of the staff apparently is vaccinated, which is you know very very good to hear. Um, would imagine that. I mean, it, it it's tough to say this because you know we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea what's going to happen next month, especially. I would imagine just by virtue of how the pandemic has gone, would not be shocked if two or three weeks from now we've got some case spikes because typically cases spike sure. after holidays and we just had St. Patrick's Day and Easter is and coming up. Yes, and so there are going to be some reasons why cases might spike, but I would hope that they a don't spike terribly, hospitalizations don't spike of course, and most importantly deaths. If they spike though, but it's still manageable and people continue to get vaccinated, like we're just going to get dangerously close Keegan to a point where we can even talk about we don't need to wear masks anymore when you're when you're projecting to fall sure. and you're talking about a football team. Now, society at large is a different story. It's just more people, more things involved. But when you're talking about a football team, when you're talking about a sport, like we don't need to be wearing masks at that point if everything keeps going in that direction. So hearing that the staff has been vaccinated is, you know, that was great to hear. Some players have been um, said they've been having a lot of hard conversations about that and says there's been a lot more interest from players to get vaccinated and i think that that's good and i again <laughs> that's kind of what i was thinking about this like you think lincoln riley stuck the uh vax spencer's vaccination in his arm for him <laughs> hey spencer, that whole quarterback room hey spencer what's that huh <laughs> yeah like <laughs> stick, ah! stick i'm sticking this in your arm and you're, you can't do anything about it no i uh it's good to hear that though like props to him um props to the state uh, I'm going to I hopefully I could say that about 50 more times. I'm so proud that of the way we're handling this now with the vaccine rolling out um, cuz <laughs> we're not going to get in the other side of that conversation, but no, props to everybody and congrats to the staff for p- doing all this because that's going to set a good standard for that those players and you know, it 
it, not everybody's on board. And, you know, that's your right to your own opinion. I'm not having that conversation. I'm just saying it's that has to be tough conversations, especially for kids that are adamant that they're not going to get it. Well, speaking of Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler, question got asked about Spencer's year that he's got looking forward to. We've actually got some audio, so let's go ahead and play the clip. By doing, you know, just kind of making it through an off season where, you know, so many guys when they get here in an off season, it's it's it becomes almost about survival or just kind of doing, you know, just kind of making it. Um, and then a lot of times you see guys as they go further on to their careers, the off season goals for that player become a little more intentional. You know, this is exactly what I'm trying to accomplish, and and you know. Coach Wiley kind of says it all the time. It's, you know, the, these guys have to put in the extra time. And if you have big goals, then the, you know, extra is not extra. He says that all the time. I mean, it's just part of what you should do. And so I think, you know, for a lot of guys on our roster, Spencer included, this this offseason and the chance, one, to have a normal offseason and then the chance to build um, and really attack some of the areas physically that they have a lot of room to grow is, is very important. And I, and I think some of that growth has started to happen. That's exciting. Um, uh, so, you know, certainly that's been an area that we've, we've challenged Spencer and I think he's, you know, really started to push and challenge himself uh, maybe more than he has in the past. And so um, there's certainly a lot of things on the field to continue to work with. There's going to be new skill sets at the skill positions. There's going to be new offensive linemen to communicate with new running backs. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same. It's the same offense, but there'll, you know, it'll continue to evolve, and there'll be a lot of differences that he's going to have to continue to get comfortable with. So, I'm excited uh, for him because I think there is so much potential growth, and be excited to attack it together. Great, thank you. Mm-hmm. Shout out to John Hoover for asking the question, and my response, Mr. Trantham, you're too long. Didn't read response to that. Put in the work for the next 12 months. That's all you got to do. And you're going to be a number one pick. Just do, do, what, it. I, just, do what I say. Just listen. <laughs> listen. Listen. If you work really hard, you got a shot to make a lot of money. So just do it. And Kyler Murray's been hanging out around the program last sure. few days. So uh, may, maybe for some reasons. Sure. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> hey. Oh, I just coughed, and here's the number one overall <laughs> pick. <laughs> Potentially future NFL MVP, you know. I mean – that was like that those are the quotes from these press conferences like I'll say this not being involved with this one after being involved with every single one for the last 4 years was a little bit weird but then two like those are the stuff that I'm looking for from that like I can I can work a whole story off that ask Spencer ask the other quarterbacks ask you know whoever you can about it because I think a, a big part of that too like you know guys heading in their third year into their third off seasons or whatever off season this is with a bunch of goals ahead of them they become more intentional with those goals that's that's a big step for for Spencer and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago the quotes coming out of camp or at a spring ball we're going to say a lot about where Spencer's at the not his play not what we see in the spring game but the way he's approaching himself and the way he's acting and this is a positive first step and and credit to Lincoln for basically saying hey listen son come here come here ring come over here all right, if you just listen, I'm gonna have a chance. You're gonna have a chance to make a lot of money doing this. Yeah, win a Heisman, win a national championship, number one overall pick. There's a not, lot out there for you. So we've talked about it, and now we're—I mean, spring's here. So 
I mean, this is where it begins. Uh, I oh, guess, for sure. I guess the other thing on Lincoln Riley uh, before we get out of here is just the uh, the disappointment he had in the receivers last year, which is you know it's good to hear. It's good to hear that the standards are high at a place like OU because for for a while, Keegan, the standards were just oh better than most. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, God, it's okay. Man. Oh God, I just thought it was funny, and I brought this. I wanted to touch on this because. This is he literally. You could have taken the clip he talked about the offensive line a year ago at this time, and just put it in right next to it, and it's the same exact one. Listen, you guys, we've we just had three guys go to the NFL, and this is what you guys replaced with replaced us with, or four, or whatever it was with the offensive line, wide receivers. We had Marquise Brown and CD, and we throw out nicely Charleston Rambo and. Who and uh, whoever else? I'm kidding. Whoever else played last year that was older, but no, I thought it was interesting. No and more also, Obi Obiallo. And I also thought it was interesting too. It's it's funny that yes, there's wide open competition, Brady, but there's like six wide receivers fighting for three spots. Yeah, there's not a lot. There's not there is competition, and the majority of those receivers are NFL caliber. Correct. So. And I'm, t- I'm talking Mario Williams, Drake Stoops, Trejan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, and Marvin Mims. Those yeah. six. Those are your six. Find figure figure it out, you six. Spencer's going to be throwing you deep well, balls why, all game. And that's why they uh, promoted Dennis Simmons, and that's why Cale Gundy is uh, running rough shot around North Texas. We got we got like seven minutes here. I want to I want you to touch on Nebraska because this is something that's dear near and dear to your heart. So what? This is the first pod free one after that. Yeah, I, I would suggest uh, one more pedal for the Patreon because that's all we talked about on Tuesday sure. for an hour was the deep philosophy as to why Nebraska is is in the spot that they're in, why they would be in a position to even want to duck a game against Oklahoma, and where that kind of leaves them, you know, them being disconnected from reality. But because that takes an hour and we don't have an hour, um, no, it it was very embarrassing to see at the beginning because Nebraska is a rival, not, not much like Texas. Texas, like, I respect because, because they're Texas, but I also hate them. I sure. don't hate Nebraska. I also have barely been alive since Nebraska and Oklahoma have been like the rivalry that it's you know typically talked about. You know when like in seventies and eighties it was like for the Big Eight, for the Orange Bowl, and a lot of times for the national championship. Heisman Trophy winners, All Americans, great games, great coaches, like all yada yada yada. And it was just sad to see that. It was embarrassing to see that. It was also shocking to see how many Nebraska fans were just like, oh, "This is right. This is terrible." Oh, that was the best part and because like. I'm looking forward to this game. Again, God willing, we're able to tailgate full stadium by fall. That will be a fun night. Oh, yeah, for sure. Will it be a fun game? For OU fans, it will. <laughs> yeah, no but doubt. It will not be fun for uh, anybody else uh, wearing not crimson and cream. I was going to say, it was funny. Tom Osborne did an interview and basically didn't deny what the reasoning was for all this, which I thought was funny. On the Patreon, I laid out all the financial reasoning for why none of it made sense anyways. Yeah. It never made any sense. Cracks me up. Um, didn't get to the bracket, Brady, but Oklahoma, Davion Harmon. What, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. I'm with you. <laughs> I don't think it would have mattered either. It would not have mattered. Time to mow the lawn. It's springtime. If they win, they get Gonzaga. So, Go win. I'll be excited. I'm also, again, I'm going to be watching the game at Pony Boy. So if you guys want to come out, just hit me up on Twitter and DM me and let me know. Uh, otherwise, shout out to Vanessa House, but they're about to start their games. So we're going to get out of here, have some Skedaddle. beers, have some fun. And then I'm going to go do the post game show for the Thunder and the Hawks, which also tipped off about 20 minutes ago. So Biggest I, game of Trey Young's career. Remember that. Not 
against Luka Doncic. Keegan, as always, thank you so much. Thank you to Vanessa House. Thank you to all our awesome listeners. Uh, we're still getting some more reviews. Would appreciate some more, of course. That can always continue to happen. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we are in spring football now. So we're going to get, yeah. get more fun, more in-depth on OU and less segment stuff. So look forward to that. But everybody, until next time, Boomer Sooner, we'll talk to you later.